Welcome to Everything Scary. My name is Lynn, and I'm here with my co-host, local celebrity. <clears throat> sorry, sorry, international celebrity. Thank you. Matt McLean. Hello. <laughs> Every Tuesday, we release a new episode, mostly true crime, but we've also been known to cover a pandemic, a haunting, a super mad, super strong chimpanzee. We'll cover anything and everything scary. Please rate us five stars and join us on Instagram at Everything Scary Pod. Here we go. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. How's hey it going? Pretty dang good. Spring has sprung, and it's about time we get some sunshine it's, all up in this bitch. It's looking really, really beautiful out there. Yeah. I like seeing the relics of a winter's morn, like in, in like Loblaws parking lots, the big piles of snow. There's like half grocery carts. How does your backyard look? I know you have a dog. Yes. So the backyard looks great. Is it covered in poop? Not as of Sunday, March 26th. Is that now? Well, that is today. And after the pod, I will be cleaning all the poop in my backyard. Okay. How much would it cost you to come to my house and clean my dog's poop? I would do it for nothing. What? No kidding. Like, I turn about. That's a business. No, I know. That's why I offered you money. People pick up a dog a sheet. And I'm not trying to devalue you. I want you to come sure. over. I'll give you. I know my worth. $14 an hour. Ooh, that's pretty good. It's not bad. Yeah, I'll, I'll drag it out for the bulk of the day. I will bring you out a coffee. Nice. Uh huh. That's um, pretty sweet. No handsome music overhead. I can't promise that. <laughs> All right. Well, the more handsome you play, the quicker I work, actually. There so you it'll be go. Cheaper so- for you. Damn it. <laughs> God damn it. I okay, Matthew. I'm going to tell you about Byron Smith today. Okay. So, have you ever seen the movie Don't Breathe? No. Wow, you just dropped down like a like foot that. in your chair. <laughs> That's right. The well, movie don't why breathe. is that a bragging thing for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got hydraulic chairs. No big deal. So, Don't Breathe is basically, it's a movie uh, that's based on this case. It's definitely taken its dramatic liberties. Mm-hmm. And uh, their version is that a couple of kids break into this guy's house, but he's a war veteran. And he's blind. Okay. So he uses that to his advantage by shutting down all the lights. Ah. And then he already has his senses enhanced. And and he can, you know, figure out where these kids are. It's different than that. Okay. Still pretty terrifying, though. And I don't know where I land on this issue. Whoa. Yeah. Like, people do die. Mm Mm-hmm. But I don't know. If you feel bad or if they I mean, I feel bad. No one should die. Nobody but, should die? I mean, there's a few people that should die. Ever heard of Adolf Hitler? <laughs> Matt, he's gone. I don't. Breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I do so, watch a lot of YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> and Tupac, he's hanging out with Tupac, actually. <laughs> so here, I'm going to tell you the story. And then I want to know how you feel. Because honestly, mm-hmm. I'm up in the air about it. All right, it. I'll let you know. Okay, so this is like what, like our fourth completely separate Patreon episode? Yes. Yep. There's a couple other ones up there, like me being a piece of shit for um, the Denise Amber Mm -hmm. Lee case. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We've got like, you know, our early releases up on there, but like I think this is like our fourth Strictly pod or strictly strictly Patreon. Patreon. Well, thank you, Patreons. Patreons. Oh, we got a new one. Nice. Tracy with an E. Tracy with an E. Welcome. Yeah. Lovely yeah. to have you. And she's from Ontario, too. Jackpot. Hell it of was, a province. Yeah. 
the best, the best. That Ford country. As I look outside and like, it's just kind of murky. <laughs> <laughs> but Tracy, thank you so much for being here. We love you. Did we send her a card yet or are we doing up a card for I her? I sent her a card. Nice. And you, have you signed the other cards? Uh, oh, I signed one. You signed one, Matt. Well, How did you sign one? I backed myself into a corner. Literally? With, you he, couldn't get out and get a pen? <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I, I wrote in pen and it was like, oh, it was, I was starting to write enjoy, but instead of E-N-J, I wrote E-N-G. So now I've got to find a sentence that starts with the word English so I can get my <laughs> way. So I got really discouraged. So I want to be like, English is a fun language. Thank you for... Or maybe English isn't my first language. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> English is something I struggle with. Here, thank you for supporting us. <laughs> it's funny because I told you I sent out... Because Jake from Strictly Stalking, he was like such a huge supporter of ours. Mm -hmm. And I send him out a package. What a surprise. Like, the guy that's famous for the stalking podcast is really all over our pod. <laughs> no, he's not. He's Leave amazing. us alone. We get no. it. You're supportive. Matthew. We can't breathe, Jake. <laughs> you're, you're going to hell. <laughs> so I send him out a package with all of our Canadian treats yeah. because they don't get... And... The only card that I had left was like, we love you so much. Love Matt. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably like, wow, that, this guy's all over my yeah, dick. <laughs> I love, I love anybody who likes us. I'm, I can be bought for sure. Okay, yeah. cool. Good to know. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so this case is always interesting. Okay. I made this PDF in size 14 and like instantly regrets. Why? Too big? Too small? Too small. 14's too small? Mm -hmm. Man, we are getting up there. Not you, though. You're a lady. I'm not commenting on your age. And I'm canceled. I'm 17. Oh, God. Even worse. And I'm canceled for what I said to yeah. you last week. You're perverted <laughs> and mean. <laughs> so this case is something that's always interested me. Always. Okay. Because I've always been torn on it. I usually, like, am staunchly on one side or the other. Yeah. I don't like the guy. Okay. I've listened to a lot of interviews with him. Mm-hmm. He is very, very set in his ways. And we also have to take into... This is the blind guy? He, he's not actually blind. In the movie, he was blind. Oh, that was part of their creative... I was going to say, like, you got to be a real special kind of piece of, mm, to have people not sympathize with you. No, he's not actually blind. But, okay, let me get into the story. Okay, I'm sorry. No, it's not you, it's me. Fine. <laughs> you pull your head out of your ass, would you, lady? It's okay. <laughs> episode for our patreons um so there was a movie loosely based on this case and it was called don't breathe they definitely took some creative licensing with the movie but the gist of the movie is that it's an old man who's blind so all of his senses are heightened and these three teenage kids break into his house and he ends up becoming aware of them being in the, his house and he shuts down all the lights and becomes the one chasing instead of nice. being chased so this is the real life version of that. This is Byron Smith. So Byron David Smith was 64 years old at the time when this case took place in 2012. Byron lived on the coast of the Mississippi River on Elm Street in Little Falls, Minnesota. Oh, yeah. Don't you know that? Dear? Don't you know? Oh, yeah. We love you over there. Yeah. Which was about 100 miles northwest of Minneapolis. And at the time, only had a population of about roughly 8,000 people. So super teeny weeny. Mm -hmm. Do you like your civil mug? 
I thought, thank God that's what you said after super teeny weeny, because I felt a comment coming my way. And the fact that it was about the mug and not my personal statute, I appreciate that. And I do. I don't like the mug. I love it because she's on both sides. So I get to look at Sybil while I take a sip. And you could be wearing your Sybil shirt right now, too. Mm-hmm. But you're not. Oh, Sybil. <laughs> my girl. So Byron's property was very secluded. But neighbors' opinions about him varied. As we will find out, they do for turning, you know, in accordance to this case as well. Uh, his one neighbor, Kathy Lange, Byron was so friendly with her family. In fact, Kathy and her family would invite Byron over to their house every single year for New Year's so he didn't have to spend it alone. That's nice. Yeah. But while there were people like Kathy who loved having Byron around, other neighbors often complained about him. One of his hobbies was to shoot his gun off <laughs> in the back of his house into the woods. All right. I don't like this guy already. And his house was secluded, but neighbors would often worry about a stray bullet hitting one of their animals of or even worse, their children. Mm -hmm. You know, because he's shooting a gun. <laughs> but Byron was very solid in his ways. He was retired now, but when he worked, he would often travel between Moscow, Beijing, and Bangkok. He worked for the U.S. State Department as a security engineer. Wow. And basically his job was to ensure that the American embassies were taken care of. Okay. Maybe, uh, you know what? I may take that comment back. And no. maybe if there's anybody that should Too be late. able to shoot a gun uh, in their backyard, it's the, <laughs> the guy that's in charge of the embassy security. Too late, <laughs> At some points during his career, Byron would have up to 50 people working beneath him. Wow. Um, and because he was in such an important position, he would have to undergo intense mental health screenings. On the regular, just That's to make good. sure that he was like, you know, in mm -hmm. a sound mind. And if there was ever any issues with him, they would have to take 100% action right away. Right. Byron, like I said, had to travel quite a bit for work, but he had been retired now for about two years. And unfortunately, throughout the years, he had found himself the victim of nearly half a dozen break and enters. Weird. In the, in the same place? Like yeah. Like that's secluded yeah. in a small town? Mm-hmm. I think it's because of how secluded he was. Sure. And because a lot of the times he wasn't home. And he's traveling so far mm. away, yeah. He uh, had thousands of dollars worth in items stolen, as well, like he had cash stolen from his house um, that he had in his home. He also had irreplaceable items taken. His father had been held during World War II as a POW. Mm. And after he was released, he was honored with a watch. And when he passed away, he passed that watch down to Byron. And that was sedimentally one of the most valuable things that he had. No doubt. Um, and it was taken during one of these B&Es. Byron estimated that in the five or six times that he had been burglarized, thieves had made off with well over 10,000 worth wow. of valuables. Uh, they also stole medals and ribbons that he had earned in the Air Force during the Vietnamese War. Jewelry and some treasured items that belonged to his mother, Ida, who had just died three years earlier. Like, I, I listen, you should never rob anybody, but if you are, obviously you're going for the valuables, you know, jewelry, electronics, whatever. The, the war medals. Yeah, it's fine. You gotta up. be a 
Yeah. Kind of shitty to do that. I yeah. would think so. Because what are you going to get for the, I don't even know if you can even sell them. I think they have to go to the Legion. Like, I think the Legion's the only place that can I think you're deal right. with that sort of stuff. So as a thief, as a criminal, which you'd be motivated by the dollar making money, you're yeah. taking something that's not valuable just to be It just seems malicious, right? I would think. Right. Um, Plus, wouldn't you see, if I'm a robber and I break into a house and I see the war medals, I'm leaving right away. They also <laughs> stole guns, though. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so they're not. Uh, yeah. So I said, not to mention, they were very literally breaking into his home. He would have windows and door frames that were constantly having mm. to be replaced. And he had been retired now for about two years. And Byron was finding himself scared because they were still doing it. It was wow. three weeks before this incident that took place at his last break and happened. Mm-hmm. Um, he was scared to even just do errands, like just go to the store. To leave his house for a minute. Exactly. He didn't want to come home and find out that his house had been broken into. In one or more of the recent break-ins, they had stolen firearms. And what Byron would later say was that he was afraid because he assumed that if they would steal guns, then they would use guns. Mm-hmm. That's a logical assumption. Right. And it was because of this that Byron had taken to strapping a two caliber revolver across his chest in a brown leather holster in case he would need to retrieve it quickly in an emergency. Wow. And it was after this last break-in that he would have a security system set up around the perimeter of his home. Good. The system was set up. So I, I think I told this to you earlier, but like he had a comfy chair mm-hmm. and then he had a bookcase here and a bookcase here. So one right to his right, right, right to his left. And they were just full of books. And so he would sit there and he would read his books, but he had the monitor in one of the shelves. Mm, nice. So he could see all four cameras or he could go in and he could zoom in on one specific camera. Mm-hmm. So like I said, the last break-in happened on October 31st of 2012 So it was a mere few weeks before what we were going to be discussing. Uh, Byron's security cameras, he would later admit he had put up haphazardly as he was rushing due to the break-ins that kept happening. (laughs) Oh my God, I got to get this up for the next one. (laughs) His plan in the long run was to have eight cameras that surrounded his house and he wanted to install them in such a way that they wouldn't be visible. Right. Hide them a little bit. Yeah. Um to anybody who was lurking around with nefarious intentions. But for now, he had quickly installed four cameras. Two would be facing his back door and one would be facing his living room door. And the last one would show both the front door and the walking entrance to get in. At this time in 2012, Thanksgiving was right around the corner and Byron's neighbor, Kathy, extended the usual Thanksgiving invite uh, and was surprised this year when he thanked her but said that he would be staying home alone this year. Mm. It's like home, like Macaulay Culkin He's, or Kevin McAllister. <laughs> I have to stay home and I must defend it. <laughs> Matt, you trample. I told you I was going to use this joke and then you just walked all over Did it. you? <laughs> I told you I was going to say the Kevin McAllister thing. I'm sorry. We'll cut this out and you can No, everyone needs to know. I'm sorry. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> he knew. Apologize. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in a later interview, Byron would say that the reason he declined the invite was so that he could guard his home. He simply said that he didn't want to go into other people's homes and spend the holidays with them and their families. It always made him feel uncomfortable because he never knew what was happening back at his house. Right. And he was, you know, kind of like 
he felt like he was stepping in on someone else's family's events. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Does that remind you of any movies? Him wanting to stay home alone to defend himself? Any references come to mind? I'm all ears. I'm going to kick your ass. What is it? What, what? Can we, like, is there any way we can do like a podcast recording where I just beat you up? Yes, yes. There's, uh, uh, yes, of course. I'm sure that would be very popular with a lot of people. Probably <laughs> use it as some sort of fundraiser. <laughs> okay. So now I'm just going to jump ahead a little bit here, but we will continue to find out that Byron had strong suspicions that his neighbor's daughter whose name was Ashley Williams, um, was responsible for a lot of the break-ins that happened in his home. I'll explain it a little bit more later, but he would later say that the reason he had gotten himself all set up in the basement waiting for an intruder was because he saw Ashley drive by the house that day and he thought that she was casing his house. Wow. He's like, okay, we're getting into... He's like the Liam Neeson of like home invasions. Yeah, right. So, uh, and he was tired of living in fear and he would later tell officers that in the last month he had had about one good night of sleep. Wow. And he couldn't take it anymore. Tough to blame him. Right? In this situation. This is the problem. to hear right now. I'm not sure what happens in the the rest of this podcast, but up to this moment, yeah, he's he's pretty frustrated. His house was clearly being targeted and he was secluded enough that no other neighbors were able to like keep an eye, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, he would later state that he was far over the edge by this point. But what Byron did end up doing that day would kind of lean a little bit towards entrapment, kind of-ish. I'm all ears. He parked his car at a neighbor's house so that it would appear that his house is empty. Mm -hmm. Um, He unscrewed all of the light bulbs in his house so that there was no lights. (sighs) And, uh... Then he just sat in his basement in between those two bookshelves and he read and he watched the monitor and he had his gun across his chest and then he had his shotgun to his side, both loaded. And he also bought himself down a, an energy bar and a bottle of water. <laughs> That's good. Nobody wants to be thirsty. You need your strength. That's exactly right. So he set up this little recorder too. <laughs> a tape and like a machine mm-hmm. press record on it. Um, and he started talking about certain things. Like he would say how he didn't mean to do these. He, basically he was setting up, he was doing a mock phone call to his lawyer. Okay. He wasn't actually calling his lawyer. Yeah. He was saying like, I'd like to speak with somebody today. Um, it's very important. I know I don't have an appointment, but blah, 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 blah. And then he would set up a mock conversation with his brother. Weird. Yeah. Recording the whole... Th- he recorded the entire thing, yes. Um, so he would say things like... One thing he said was, in your left eye. That's okay. going to come into play a little bit later on. Um, he was also heard talking to his brother, where he said, Bruce, stop by tomorrow morning. No rush, but whenever is convenient. Now, again, these aren't real calls. This is Byron rehearsing calls. So it really does seem that there's a certain amount of premeditation. Yeah. Um, at about noon that day, he heard the upstairs door rattling. He saw a shadow go past his picture window 
And then he heard on the back window another, like, big rattling. Byron says by this point, he was getting very stressed. He can hear whoever it is walking around because he's got, like, a wooden deck that goes around the house. <laughs> so he can hear him. So he can hear thuds with every step. There is more rattling from another window, and then he hears the sound of glass break. And you can hear this all on the recording. The recording is still going on. Oh, yeah. He recorded it for hours. Oh, wow. And when you hear the glass break, you can literally... So you hear smash, and then you can hear them plucking out the glass that lines the bottom of the window like and throwing it so that they can get in. So this is the sound of the window in his guest room, which is located in the northwest side of his home. Uh, This can all be heard on the recording. And after the initial smash, you can hear the person pushing through the remaining glass shards that are left in the window frame to make it so it's a clear entryway for them. He then hears someone enter through that broken window. There's footsteps coming down the hallway and they turn to come down the basement. Are you nervous? Like you just, uh, you know, because you should not be committing crimes. Uh, It's a general statement. You should not be breaking into people's homes and entering. And I also think that you should be able to defend your home. And Uh, in Minnesota, did I say they they have the castle doctrine? No. Is that the same as stand your ground? A little bit. Um, Castle doctrine is that you can defend your property with lethal force until the threat is taken away. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, So they get to the top of the basement stairs. Byron got up. And he went to the base of the stairs. He first saw a male's set of shoes coming down the stairs, then his legs, and then his torso. So it's like, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. right? Like the ceiling is right here, and mm-hmm. then the stairs. So he fired two shots into the man's torso, uh, it right around in his hip area, and the man stumbled to the bottom of the stairs, and Byron said his shoes fell off. So Byron kicked them under the chair that he was sitting in. And then he shot the man in his face. Oh, Jesus. That's murder. So then Byron can be heard saying, you're dead. Uh, Yeah. But also (laughs) keep in consideration that he is like what his job was before, you know? Yeah. I mean, ideally... You would, yeah, that's entrapment. I don't know if entrapment's the right thing, but it's but, not. It's not. But he did not say, Get out of here. I'm home. Don't rob me. I mean, that's what you want to do. You don't want to sit and wait and, and almost laying in wait is what that is. Laying in wait. Yeah. He's not luring them in, but he also kind of is. With and moving the car. his truck. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. So and shooting him in the face after. Like, that's, that's cold blooded murder. Uh, You're defending yourself up into a point. Right. So now Byron says that he, by chance, he says, had a tarp that was What's nearby. He with the tarp by chance? Because he had planned to cover the firewood with the tarp. He said that he rolled this man onto the tarp in order to prevent too much blood from absorbing into the carpet. First of all, who has a carpeted basement? <laughs> we need to talk. <laughs> He then dragged him around the corner and into his quote-unquote shop so that he didn't have to see him anymore. Okay. 
all of this can be heard very clearly mm. on the recording. It's thuds, dragging. You can hear, you know, well, mm-hmm. with this, you can clearly know Put what's going on. Two. About 10 minutes later, Byron said that he was back in his chair and he felt like the blood pulsating in his ears, like he was so overwhelmed. And he was sitting there stunned at the events that had just taken place. And then he said he reloaded his shotgun for no apparent reason and had it sitting beside him. And you can hear him reload and cock the gun. Hmm. Then someone else can be heard entering the residence. This person stays upstairs longer than the other had. Mm -hmm. And you can hear Byron's breathing. It started going like really rapid. Like he was very panicked. Yeah. And then you can hear a timid sounding woman say, Nick. And then she started slowly coming down the stairs. Byron again waited until he could see her at about waist level. And uh, as soon as he saw that, he shot her. He said she tumbled down the stairs. And the way he tells it, he went to shoot her again and his gun jammed. And this you can hear on the recording that he says, oh, Sorry about that, because his gun jammed. Oh, my God. And as we will learn shortly, Byron is nothing but (laughs) well-mannered. But at this point, his gun jams, and he says that she laughed at him. You can't hear any of that on the recording. Yeah. And I don't think a teenage girl getting shot is laughing at at somebody's gun malfunctioning. Yeah. But that's what he said. Um, like I said here, it's, this cannot be heard on the recording. Now, another thing that Byron wanted to be known about him is he does not like being ganged up on. Okay. Um, he says it's always been a sore subject with him since grade school and he's not here for it. So when he learned that there was a second intruder coming into his home, he instantly felt ganged up on. And once again, he went into attack mode. Unlike the rest of us, who was like, I... I love getting ganged up. Oh, my God, it's the best. When it's one-on-one and even, I hate it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the greatest. Mm-hmm. Um, and since she had allegedly laughed at him, he took his two caliber that was on his chest, revolver, and he shot her twice in the left eye. Remember he said that? Oh, in yeah. your left eye. Yeah. And then he's heard on the recording saying, you're dying. And then a bit later, he says, bitch. What the fuck is going on here with this guy? He's not right. He went to move her to be with the man. And as he was moving her, he said she was still moaning. Oh, God. And making signs of life. Byron said he has never been the type of person to watch someone else suffer. He's so... Oh, that's nice of him. Super great. So he put the revolver... To the bottom of her chin. Oh, good. And just did a cranium shot. Mm-hmm. And Serves therefore, me how casually you got that out. Pardon me? But, you know, put the gun on her chin. Just did a cranial shot. Anyways, it was a Tuesday. Like, oh, my God. Me? Are you insulting me again? <laughs> I was. <laughs> Can't we just be a team and, like, gang up on the bad guy here? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> what did I do to you? I just gave you a birthday present. It's not what you did. That's what you didn't do. What didn't I do? 
Mm, it's not really for a podcast. Is this like a topic? Did you want something better for your birthday? Well, <laughs> I mean, what what's on what are what are some of the options? Lego. Oh. I love Lego so much. <laughs> <laughs> I Lego. Have you seen my posts on Facebook about my Lego? <laughs> I don't think so, but there is a Facebook page I, I'd like to turn you on to. There's a, a a shipment of Lego that crashed years ago, and now pieces of Lego are washing ashore on this beach, and they have for years. And this one guy documents it on a Facebook page. Fascinating. What? Yeah. This is so not podcast appropriate but can i just show you for one quick second the lego village i built for my kid no i'm okay thank you though okay, but i'm cute. gonna show it to you anyway oh. so we're gonna have to deal with that awesome very exciting the anticipation Wait, okay is first of all palpable. that's my mario world let me just see here that's Here's mario the oh my god that's actually quite cool Here's the thing about um, Lego these days. Lego, when I had it, you never... You didn't have sets. No, there was no. no kits that I remember. It was all just Lego. Okay, I'll show you my daughter's set, which is even better. Yeah. So that's my that's my son's set, like, which that? is Mario. Can you say how much that Mario costs? Uh, $75,000. <laughs> no, it's really very expensive. Great. Yesterday, I tried to purchase a Lego set that was uh, $200. You tried to? Yeah, my husband put the fucking kibosh on that really Ugh. quick. What's his problem? He is lame-o. <laughs> <laughs> he, he sounds like a real hater. Yeah, he's like, he's like, why do we need so much Lego? And oh I'm my like, God, you don't even understand, Matt. <laughs> people, but one of the other things I've noticed is that people with the name, look, at that's my daughter's. All right, let's Zoom in on it. Oh my God, what is this? Is this everything? Yeah. Everything, everywhere, all at once? can't get in on oh there's a little bit of mario stuff there a little bit of uh okay is that a hamster uh hamster habitat woven into the surf park with the tractor rides? no it's a freaking water slide and the atvs that's pretty cool little house there i don't know if i care for the woman vacuuming it's a little outdated but <laughs> isn't that the best though <laughs> that's I'm, wild i love love legos Lego. okay Let's get back to this. <laughs> Fine. Okay. Thank you, Lego, for sponsoring us. Um, <laughs> as Byron was moving the girl to be with the man, he said, cute. I'm sure she thought she was a real pro. And she's uh, dead. Uh, yeah. Okay. And she's a teenager. Right. After the bodies are moved away from him and out of his sight, he sits down in his chair for the next few hours He's either thinking out loud or he's trying to build up his own defense because he says things like, I feel a little bit safer now. Not totally safe. I'm still shaking quite a bit, but I feel a little bit safer. I mean, if he's, if he's manipulating that tape, can you really believe anything he's saying? Or? To me, it's like if he said all the other things he said, mm -hmm. then like, is he lying here? Right. Yeah. Like, he said some pretty incriminating things at this <laughs> yeah. point. Um, so I'm just going to rattle off a couple things that he says. And only, you know, you're going to see it. Hold on. All right. Let so rip. He says, I'm not a bleeding heart liberal. I felt like I was cleaning up a mess. Worse than spilled food. Worse than vomit. Worse than cleaning up a mess. You're dead. 
I, I was curious. I was like, I hope we find out what political party he's affiliated not with. Because that is the number one question that I have in my mind. Not, not, not. <laughs> maybe a Republican. <laughs> maybe an independent. <laughs> he's, he's got his own thing going on. Um, he goes, they weren't human. I don't see them as human. They're vermin. Okay. Yep. And That's... he goes, I was doing a civic duty. Hmm. This is very Republican. They love giving back to their communities. <laughs> uh, the next day, Byron would call his neighbor and friend, Bill Anderson. Uh, first, he asked him to go get him an attorney. This is the day after Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. too. So, um, But being as it was extremely short notice and it was the day after Thanksgiving, Bill was unable to help Byron with that one. So Byron then asked him to call the sheriff's office and have them come to his home. This is 24 hours after he shot and killed the two intruders. Jeez. Two kids, essentially, dead bodies in your house for a day. And why wouldn't you just call the police yourself? Why Bill got to do all this work? Yeah, what's, Bill's just trying to fucking eat leftover turkey. Leave him alone. Yeah, Bill got into it a little bit last night oh with the wine. Oh, my God, so. the stuffing, too. He was probably mm -hmm. like... I bet he undid his belt buckle, too. They said, ah, you know what, Martha? This is one of your best dinners. Byron, I don't have time for this. I'm mixing <laughs> gravy with my stuff. Oh, God, gravy and stuffing. That would be so good right now. <laughs> mm. um, so Byron hides his firearms, but not because he wants them hidden. Mm -hmm. He simply did not want to scare the officers when they arrived at his home. This is very true, though, Matt. Everything this guy says, you can take at face value. Okay. Because yeah. he, <laughs> you'll see. Good. Um, once they were there, he told them where the bodies were and where the weapons were. He was then taken into custody and brought to Morris County Sheriff's Office. And he first sits down in the interview room at 2.59 p.m. Now, I have to comment because as... Canadians, we often get referred to as overly polite, and we say sorry for no real reason. True. But this Minnesota cop act really gives us a run for our money. <laughs> Super polite guy. He's so sweet. <laughs> so I've never heard anyone friendlier in an interrogation in my life. So I understand you're suspected of killing a couple of murders. So Good don't you? Yeah, do I like some oh. potato salad? Oh, big double homicide guy are you? <laughs> Oh, yeah. He's so sweet, though. Um, he was giving him absolutely every bit of information he was looking for. This is Byron giving mm -hmm. him. Like, he, this guy overshared, like, you wouldn't believe. <laughs> um, he's here with all the details, and I'll let you see what I mean in just a minute. All right. <laughs> so, Byron sits down. He is asked when his date of birth is, and he states that it's 11 June, 48. The officer starts asking him if he knows what his Miranda rights are, to which Byron responds, yes, anyone who watches TV knows what they are. True. Yeah, I can see that. CSI, law and order. <laughs> he tells the officer that he had his neighbor and friend of 25 years call the police when the interrogator asked if Bill knew why he was calling for Byron. Byron said that he did not tell him, but Bill knew of all the break-ins, and he knew that Byron was likely to do something. Oh, shit. Um, and at this point, he had reached a certain breaking point. So, you know, he didn't know, but he knew. Yeah. 
He was even told that if any time he becomes uncomfortable answering questions, that he has the right to stop even after waiving his rights because he did waive his rights for an attorney. Oh, yeah. I didn't know you could go back on it. I thought. Yep. That anytime oh, yeah? you can shut it down. Yep. Just say, no, I'm good. I'll talk. And then it gets to having you say, I changed my mind. Yep. I didn't know that. Yep. When asked how long he had owned the residence, Byron said that he just took ownership when his mother had passed in 2009, but it had been his family home since 1966. Wow. So he had been living there since he was 18 years old. So Mm. it was his parents' house. He was overseas for a long period of time. And then when his mom died, it was his house. Byron tells the officer that the break-in at his homes had been happening now for 12 to 15 years. Wow. Right? Like, and what did they say, 10 grand? That doesn't seem like a lot over. Although that was the most recent. I think it was 10 grand in cash. Oh, jeez. Um, at this point, it seems like as though he thought that this Ashley Williams was the neighbor that he saw drive past, remember? Yeah. So he thought that it was her that he had killed. That was that girl. Right. But it wasn't. Um, this is because Ashley is the daughter of a neighbor. According to Byron, these neighbors are evil and semi-psychotic. Okay. So he was kind of probably hoping it was... And they have had altercations with many of the other neighbors. He said that he actively avoids them at all costs. He tries to prevent going to the mailbox at the same time that they do. But if he does, like he'll be Mm -hmm. cordial and he'll say hello. But the reason Byron thinks it's Ashley that is responsible for all these break-ins is because his good pal Bill Anderson saw Ashley wearing a coat home from school one day. Um, Byron wants it to be known that he was in the military from 1968 to 1972. And one of the items that had been stolen from him in the past was his old military jacket. Now this jacket was unique because he left in 72 and something about like the reflective stripe Mm -hmm. had changed after 1972. So, his was very unique because it had that very old kind of reflective stripe. Yeah. Yeah. And Ashley was seen wearing this exact jacket. Um, Not to mention Ashley apparently is a big klutz (laughs) because as she was walking, she was actively dropping things along the sidewalk. (laughs) And... The way it sounded was... What is actively (laughs) dropping things? Like, whoop, uh (laughs) uh-oh. Yeah. But she was actively dropping things along the sidewalk. And the way it said was that Bill was just following her and picking up stuff (laughs) as she dropped it. (laughs) And when he brought it to show Byron, it was all items that had been stolen from Byron's home. Wow. So if that's true, I guess Ashley's a pretty good suspect, Mm -hmm. but it's also kind of weird. And then what are the odds another girl breaks it you don't hear about women girls like robbing like and uh, cat like, burglars and stuff how shallow were her pockets <laughs> yeah that's right all stuff's falling out <laughs> she's walking along she's like oh there's a coin oh <laughs> there's a ribbon <laughs> they're just it's like a little trail to where yeah, she lives really. uh so he goes on to say that in 20 years overseas this is what byron said he has never once killed anyone He's never felt threatened at his property and he's never been vandalized. 
But since he has been back home, he has been terrified. He tells the officers that he will actually feel safer being in prison than he would be at sleeping in his own house. Well, let's hope he spends some time feeling safe in the near future. Well, he's already been (laughs) detained at this point, so he's going to be in prison, but he does get bond for a little bit. Um, Now, here's a little bit of the interrogation where it really feels like Byron was just doing too much. I love this. He wanted the officers to know that aside from the pants that he was wearing, everything else he was wearing was brand new. Or sorry, everything else he was wearing, he was wearing when he killed the intruders. He goes on to tell them that he got blood on the other pants, so he had taken them off, but it would be easy to locate them. He said that aside from the human blood, there would also be beaver blood on them. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Because you see... His good buddy Bill had caught a couple beavers in Byron's yard and Byron had to do away with them mm-hmm. because they're just really bad for the trees. <laughs> and Byron did not like destroying the trees. He wanted the officers to know that, yes, he was wearing a jean jacket when the murder took place because he liked to run his house a little bit on the cooler side. <laughs> so his jacket seemed appropriate, <laughs> but... When it gets even cooler, he's been known to wear a pretty heavy sweater. Mm. You know, it would keep you warm there, Byron. Some beaver pelts. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you weren't so hasty in your mission to dispatch. Leave it, like, as a Canadian, mm. leave the fucking beavers alone. Yeah, I know. They're ours. Yeah, they are <laughs> assholes. But, and they do destroy a lot of waterways and stuff, but. They're ours. They're ours. <laughs> All right. And their tail is a delicious, delicious dessert. Uh, not, not a lot of Americans know about the beaver tail. No? No. They're going to think I'm talking about literally eating a beaver You're tail? eating a beaver tail. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I mean, it might not be bad. Yeah. Like jerky, maybe. Yeah. Have you ever eaten beaver? Never mind. It's a poor <laughs> choice. A phrase. Okay. <laughs> now, you did an experiment in college with eating beaver? Matthew! What? <laughs> If I say, okay, I I think our safe word needs to be Matthew. Because I've had like elk and stuff before, but I've never, I've had alligator. Yeah? Yeah. What about like salami? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) You're going to get arrested. I've had my fair share of beef as well. Okay, stop it. (laughs) Upwards of two women. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay, let me finish the story. (laughs) When asked if the shirt is the same, he says, you betcha. That's, I'm That's paraphrasing. He, oh, I'm, good, I'm paraphrasing. good. Hey, that, excuse me, murder suspect. Is that the bloody <laughs> cloak? You betcha. <laughs> the only difference, he said, was when he changed out of his bloody pants. Yep. And he put new pants on. Originally, his shirt had been hanging loose. Mm-hmm. Tucked it in. He tucked it in with the new pants. My man. Hey, yo. Yep. So, Byron is more than happy to give up his DNA. He <laughs> told them that the only need to do a swab inside of his mouth, but just judging by how helpful he was, I'm pretty sure he was willing to give a swab from anywhere. <laughs> like, where would you, where, what are you exactly implying? A bum swab? Real nice. A wiener swab? Wow. A urethra swab? <laughs> I don't know, but he's like, 
Yeah, yeah. No, the, you want to do a swap inside my mouth? Yeah, that sounds great. Like if they had a sound hey, like... you want to spin a cup? Yeah, absolutely. You want to make out? What, what is it? <laughs> do you need a toenail clipping? Here it is. <laughs> what do I know? You're thirsty? But, you hungry? You want some beef? <laughs> but he did. He handed over everything. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, Byron uh, told the officers that he had placed the weapons away when he knew that they were coming. Because he knows that firearms make law enforcement nervous. And in the most Minnesota-sounding accent, the officer said, Oh, yeah, very true. Oh, yeah, good thing you hit those guns. We would have been all just straight up petrified there. Oh, gosh, that would have been darn tootin'. Hey, thanks for hiding your guns there, bud. <laughs> we love you. Dead <laughs> <laughs> love ya. So when they asked him why he waited so long to call after he shot these two individuals, he said, just because my Thanksgiving is screwed up, I don't need to screw up yours. It's over. It's not going to change. Um, that's not how murder works. It also is kind of reasonable, though. I, yes, from a, I don't want to inconvenience people standpoint. But why does he not want to inconvenience some people and other people he wants to, you know, murder? Because those people didn't break into his house. <laughs> that's true. But I mean, like, I don't know. I don't want to inconvenience, inconvenience people either. Yeah, I don't either. But I mean, I've already murdered. I might. Uh, is this an admission or are you just saying like. Both, both, both. both, both. <laughs> wink, wink, wink. I think that, uh, yeah, just, you know, having some common courtesy. Okay. Well, that's Matt McLean's. <laughs> well, I think that we should do a segment. Yeah. Just your, like, legal stances on things. Yeah, okay. Matt McLean's legal advice. My legal advice would be, uh, if you are getting your home broken into upwards of 15 times, um, keep a good open line of communication with the police. You're so smart, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I don't think you hear that enough. I, Actually, that's the first time. The <laughs> first timer here. You are so smart. And I think only in your 41st year, you're going to, you're blossoming. Oh my God. Thank you. <laughs> no wonder people think we're having an affair. People think that? Only because I tell them. <laughs> <laughs> like, how's the new podcast going? I'm like, good. We're sleeping together. What? Huh? <laughs> Soup's affair. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> Big affair guy over here. Could you imagine if we overtook Vanderpump? <laughs> oh, my God. Our Sandoval. Ariana and Sandoval who? Oh, Check shit. out these two fucking idiots. <laughs> Check out these two assholes. <laughs> okay. Let's get through this. I'm hungry. All righty. <laughs> so we kind of have the big picture here, right? So who were these two intruders? Hmm. Good question. Was it this Ashley character? Mm. Do you think it was? No. No, it wasn't. No, it was not Ashley. The intruders were 18-year-old Haley Elaine Kiefer and her cousin Nicholas Brady Schaffel, who was 17. Oh, kids, babies. Babies. Just kids, like, listen. Although, if my, I will say, I'll put this on record right now. Mm -hmm. If my kids ever break into someone's home mm -hmm. and steal from them, I will kick your ass. Yeah, it's a 40%, I got it, 40% cut to the parent to keep your mouth shut unless you want to get reported to the police and you keep that full. Do you know my mom is an angel? Yeah. She's always been an angel. Mm -hmm. And she's like the type of person, like my niece to this day will be like, Grandma, can I get a glass of milk? Mm -hmm. And my mom will be like, 
yeah, Lil, like I put a glass of milk right there in front of you. And my niece will go, oh, but the other day at Curtis's house, I had a warm glass of milk and I really liked it. So do you think you could warm that glass of milk up for me? Like <laughs> she actively thinks of things to ask people to do for her. My mom is an angel. Yeah. She told me if you ever get caught stealing something from someone, do not call me. Oh. I will not be your call. Mm -hmm. Like she basically told me if you're stealing from other people, get fucked. Yeah. Wow. And that's so good. I never stole from anybody. That's way better parenting than the message I got was no matter what, Matthew, if you murder 90, you call us. We'll always help you out. <laughs> oh. So I could be like. Yeah. You're kind of, oh, that's why your dad likes Alec Murdoch so bad. Like, <laughs> he's like. <laughs> I got you. I got you, son. <laughs> okay. So these kids were teenagers. Pajamals. Should be noted mm -hmm. that both of them were absolutely unarmed. Uh, clearly, just, a just doing a stupid thing. That's yes, it. they were being they're just fucking assholes. They're just they're being seventeen-year-old shithead kids, which we all have been when we were seventeen. And I was a shithead. I never broke in anyone's house. And if my kids ever break in anyone's house, I'm gonna kick their ass. I Cops. never broke into. No, never mind. That's not true. I was gonna say I never broke into a building, but I have. What? Yeah, my old high school. Bayview Secondary School? Uh, the old Richmond Hill High School, actually, when it was uh, the year that they shut it down that summer, we went into the school. Can we talk about my Bayview experience? Absolutely. I might need a therapist in here. So my dad, well, he worked for a bunch of high schools. Mm -hmm. He did like um, the electricity at the high schools. Yeah. So he would often have to go in there if there was like a water heater down or something like that. He mm -hmm. would have to go in and he would have to fix it after hours. Now, where we are, there's like a Walmart and like a whole bunch of shit. Oh, yeah. Right beside yeah, it, right? Yeah, yep. But at that time, there was nothing. It was all fields. It was a there field. Was, and then there was like St. Mary Magdalene Church. It wasn't even farmland, was it? No. Because it was, it was that field that you had to cross... To get to the plaza where the comic book store was see, and the McDonald's oh, and the SO. I, see, I didn't even know it that well because I don't mean to break, but I'm a couple of years younger than you. <laughs> <laughs> so when I left Richmond Hill, I was 14. Oh, okay. But my dad worked at your high school mm -hmm. and it was three stories. Yep. And the basement, they said that some kid had completed suicide in the weight room. Completed? That's how you're supposed to say it now. Are you? Yeah. Committed Why? sounds like a offense. Really? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Complete. I thought you I thought you misspoke and I was like No, you're supposed to say completed. You said it wrong. Completed suicide, okay. Um that I don't know if that is true, but I do know that that is a true legend. But you heard that, right? One right in the weight room, one thousand percent. Okay, so when my dad brought me there, I was about 11. My brother's three years younger than me, so he was like seven years, eight years old. Mm -hmm. And my dad had to do something in like the custodian's office. So it was like off to the side. It was like the left of the building. Mm -hmm. He walked in. And I asked my dad for some change so me and my brother could go get some stuff from the vending machine. Mm -hmm. And it was pitch black, Matt. Yep. It was in the winter months, mm -hmm. so it was... Like everything around it was dark. Jesus. And it was fields. There was like yeah. that that church that was like a half a block away. Yeah. 
but there was nothing else. Mm -mm. And so he gave us some change. And the only lights that were there was like the exit signs. Yeah, yeah. And then the vending machine. Right. In the cafeteria. Yeah. So me and B went to go and get uh, some snacks. We got our snacks. And then I don't know what happened, but we got separated to the point where like he was going to, maybe he needed to ask my dad for more money or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was. We got separated. And when he got back to the custodian's room, it was black. And then it was just me, my dad, and my brother in all different parts of the school. And my dad fucking tortured us. And to this day, when I bring this up, he thinks it's hilarious. He thinks he's the funniest person alive. But he would go into like, any room that had access to the PA system. Yeah. And he would just do like. <laughs> and I would be fucking terrified. Zero one four two was the code. What does that mean? Yeah. Uh, if you put zero, I am sure it's changed now, but the code to go to use every phone as a PA was zero one four two. But he did this heavy <laughs> breathing and he would scare the shit out of me. <laughs> and so I ran upstairs and there is <laughs> and there is like up okay, so you know like the far right end of the building that there's that staircase that's like there's windows. Mm-hmm. So I ran up there and then I, I found myself in a classroom and there's nothing more daunting than a fucking empty classroom that's in the dark. And I was mortified. And then I'm running through these and like Everything's louder mm-hmm. too when you're in a school by yourself. And like it's these floors, like and you're scared shitless. Yeah. And then I found myself in the weight room mm-hmm. where this kid allegedly <laughs> completed yes. suicide. But it's right beside the auditorium. Right. And so I ran out of the weight room, and then I hear just a basketball go douche, douche, douche across the floor. And I wanted to die. Wait, can we just stop for a second that your basketball bouncing sound is the word douche? Matthew, I'm going to need you to not be so perverted constantly. <laughs> me? You said douche, douche, what is, douche. Okay. It took me right back to my high school experience, okay. to be honest with you. Okay. What? What is your basketball noise? And then the basketball went bouncing down the floor. Okay, there's a noise that it makes, though. Beaver, beaver, beaver. <laughs> See, not perverted. Okay. So regardless of my basketball noise, so then I found myself in the auditorium. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden the piano went boom. Mm -hmm. And Matt, I'm giving you the compressed version Mm -hmm. of this. My dad did this to me for two hours. My God. At one point I was in the middle and I was like, okay. Because I could see him. There was like, you can correct me if I'm remembering this wrong, but like there was like a walkway that was glass that I could see through a window to a walkway. I can't remember. I'm, but so I, I know there were a lot of windows. Yes, there was a lot of windows. So I could see him walking towards me, but it's dark. Everything's dark. Mm-hmm. And he was dragging his foot like Jack from mm, fucking The Shining. Jesus. And he's dragging his foot like he's and I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I'm like, I, in my mind, I know it's my dad, mm-hmm. but like in the back of my mind, I'm terrified. Yep. 
also because he's made me watch fucking horror movies since I was like knee high to a grasshopper. (laughs) (laughs) And and so I see him doing this and I'm like, okay, I'm going to hide in a locker. And then as he's coming down the fucking hallway, he's just bang, bang, bang on all the lockers. (laughs) And I ended up just running out of the building that self-locked. Because I was, I, I didn't want to deal with my dad's shit anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and then we went to Swish LA afterwards. And he's like, hey, you want to come in and order with me? And I was like, no, I don't think I can. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so shit. that's, that's my scary, uh, story about my childhood. <laughs> Hence why you wanted to do a murder podcast. And anyways, let's get back to the sweet, sweet story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Forgot about this a-hole. <laughs> I made up my mind already, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's an a-hole. So it should be noted, like I said, that the kids were unarmed. Um, They were too young to be responsible for all of the break-ins to Byron's because... Oh, okay. So they they, had... What were they? They were like uh, 17, 18. Yeah. It had been happening for 12 to 15 years. They're not toddlers breaking in. I just assumed it. Yeah, little toddlers. (laughs) Stuffing their diaper full of war medals. Listen, Nestor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... Yeah, like I said, if it had been going on for 12 to 15 years, they would have just been toddlers mm. when the first break-ins were happening. But it was proven that they had been responsible for at least one or two of the other intrusions into Byron's home. Uh, the day that they were killed, their entire family had been waiting on them to have Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, shit. They had no idea the trouble that Nick and Haley had just walked into. Haley had lived in Little Falls her entire life. She was a high school senior. She was a hard worker. And even as a young teenager, she kind of held in a lot of jobs at fast food restaurants. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was also very athletic and she was very competitive. Nick was also very well liked. And everyone who had anything to say about him said you would never not see him smiling. His sister Crystal said that Her brother had worked with her dad trimming trees, and it was her belief that they had broken into Byron's home uh, that day looking for prescription pills. Really? Yeah. It became apparent that Haley was struggling with substance abuse. Oh, shit. And had even stolen Adderall from her cousin's house. Right. When the toxicology came back on Haley, she had in her system weed, but who cares? Mm Mm-hmm but also the chemical component that is in cough syrup and the levels were so high that it would have been intoxicating. Is that codeine? Like liquid codeine? I think it's codeine, yeah. Wow. Scissorp. It's mm. called. That's what the rappers drink. Really? Scissorp. Sounds awful to me. Mm-hmm. I know. How funny, like cough syrup, the grossest thing known to man, and yet somehow it became popular to drink it. It's like you can feel like you're dying and you don't want to drink it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, like, you'll drink it just to get high? Like, (laughs) no. Give me wine. I don't care. (laughs) In Minnesota, they had what is called the Castle Doctrine. And basically what that means is that you're allowed to use lethal force to stop a felony from taking place on your property. What it doesn't allow is for you to carry out a murder (laughs) after the threat has been... Yeah. Taken away. And wait for it, lie and wait for another one. Right. Instead of calling the 5 That's exactly right. Uh, in December of 2012, Byron was able to post a $50,000 of his $500,000 bond 
Um, and that was after it was reduced from 1 million. So I think I told wow. you before it's uh, 10%, right? Mm. So he would have had to pay $100,000 to get out and he mm. couldn't afford it. And then they reduced it. So he got out. Uh, so he could go back to Little Falls and his attorney refused to say where he was going. He didn't go back to Little Falls. He could. Yeah. He couldn't because such a small community. Yeah, they, totally. He killed two kids. Yep. So it was hard to find somebody who didn't have a connection to those kids. Yeah. Um, so Byron was out for just over a year when his trial started on April 24th of 2014. Byron was represented by Steve Meshbesher. Meshbesher? Meshbesher. Okay. And Adam Johnson. Oh, come on. Yeah. Why is that guy's name so easy? <laughs> like, can you only have one? Put him with Johnson. <laughs> the jury was built up of six men and six women. It was shown that the teens had been shot a combination of nine times, and Haley had been shot twice in the left eye, which was what Byron had said before she had even broken into his home. The recordings that Byron himself made were played multiple times throughout the trial. And on April 29th, 2004, after deliberating for only three hours. Oh, I like the sounds of that. The jury came back with a guilty ruling. Mm -hmm. Listen to this one. This mm -hmm. one was weird to me. For both two counts of first degree murder and two counts of second degree murder. So my loose understanding of this is when the first shot is deemed fatal and you shoot again, then you can be charged with two counts. I. Th you might be right. You may be right. Because there was that cop in Toronto that shot the kid on the subway. Yeah, well, they have Or the streetcar or something. They have different rules, though. So. <laughs> and there was, he was charged with two counts like that. Um, you may be right, because I did look at a few articles trying to figure out how you could be charged with both things. The main thing that I saw was that... If he's charged with first degree, you have to be committing a felony during the murder. Right. Or it has to be premeditated. So because these people were breaking into his house, at the end of the day, like you could appeal those. Right. And then if you have second degree, then that would uphold your sentence. Right. Okay. Okay. But what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> what do I know? So... Sybil and wrestling. That is it. That's, but you know what? You know so much about Sybil <laughs> that it's like, it's pretty important. You're her legacy. That's right. Got your back, girl. Like when she dies, it's going to be like, mm. what does she have? It's going to be like, Matt the, McLean. It'll be like the queen's funeral for me. You, you got it. So, uh, here's what I said about this. I found that they gave him both first and second degree murder a little strange. So I did look up on it a little bit and the two are not mutually exclusive mm. um, and to get first degree murder comes with intent and premeditation so if, if he was able to appeal and that was somehow disproved then one of those uh, like either of those things mm -hmm. like if either of those things are taking out of the sentencing then it's no longer first degree right, right. and if he's already gone through a trial and that's what he's charged with then it's so it's a pretty slippery slope to self-defense standing and void. your ground. Wow. Um, so if he was to appeal and somehow it got disproved, um, those things, it would be second degree. It's a way to ensure that he does not get away with what he did. Good. 
One of the jury members would even say that um, it made her comfortable about the guilty verdict because he had recorded himself doing it. And everything that she heard was extremely incriminating. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Byron thought he was covering his own bases, but what he was really doing was showing how he carried out murders on two teenagers once they were no longer a threat. Wow. He will say to this day that he did not know that they were unarmed, and that is very true. In fact, you can tell by his breathing when Haley was coming to the stairs that he was scared. But to quote Nick's grandmother, he seems like a sour, angry old recluse. He felt above the law, and he chose to be cop, judge, jury, and executioner. Yep. Perfectly said, right? Absolutely. He was sentenced to two life sentences to be served concurrently and uh, without the possibility of parole. Love it. What's the other one? Um, Consecutively. Oh, okay. Consecutively is one after the other. Concurrently is at the same time. So he's uh, serving one life sentence, essentially. He's serving one life sentence, yeah. He has tried to appeal a few times. Federal appeals court upheld his conviction. Minnesota Supreme Court also upheld his conviction on November 20th, 2020. He filed an appeal with the Supreme Court of USA, and that appeal is still pending. Yeah, spoiler alert. They're going to uphold it because you're a guilty asshole. But Matt, like... No, I listen, I understand. Oh. Sorry, go ahead. If it was you, no, not even you, because yeah. I don't think you care about yourself as much as you care about your parents. Sure. If you weren't living at your parents' house, mm-hmm. someone was repeatedly breaking into their house mm-hmm. and stealing all of their things, all of their important things. Yeah. And then one day your dad was just like, fuck it. And he sat, he lay in wait and he shot somebody. Yeah. Would you think that he was in the wrong? Yeah. You would think your dad was in the wrong? In this scenario? Like if my dad was this guy here, 1000%, that overkill shot to me, you're uh, that, okay, the, the, when you're afraid and you're in your basement and somebody comes down the stairs and you shoot them, not that you should ever shoot anybody, but I could almost get behind that and be like, okay, you know what? He was afraid. And again, not this specific example, because I believe this guy almost manufactured this situation yes, yes. To, to kind of almost prove his own reality. Mm-hmm. Um but in that situation, but Matt, yeah, twelve to fifteen years. Yeah, I mean, and he didn't do anything about it. So how how concerned really could he have been if you're? I, I I don't know. Maybe there was an ongoing police record. Maybe that he reported it every single time, and maybe he did install some sort of security system a couple of times. But I just don't think that he gave a shit until he was like until he wanted to kill somebody. Do you think? This is getting a little bit controversial, but Love it. if it was like a person of minority, it would have been the same outcome. You mean the, the shooter or the intruders? I, I mean, if the intruders were a person of minority, would the court case have gone the same way? Oh, I would love to say absolutely, um, but probably not. Uh, this guy probably walking quite freely, I would think, if yeah. this was a person of color, uh, depending on the area in the States mm-hmm. and depending on the year. Yeah, I, I that's a awful thing to think. Right. Unfortunately, I, I think that's our reality. That's true. You make all the strides you want. 
but you're still having innocent people of color being I, killed. I, I have a hard time with this case because it's like, this is his home. Yeah. And yes, like it's overkill. Sure, it's overkill. Mm-hmm. I think when somebody is in your home, like that's their fucking problem. I do believe you forfeit your right to any sort of safety when you break into something. However, it's reasonable to want to stop somebody, but it's unreasonable to go up to them and when they're gasping for air and to, to just to murder somebody like that. And and but and to you, wait. You got to think too, Matt. Like he's angry. Mm-hmm. Like this has been going on for a decade or yeah. over a decade. Yeah. Like you're mad. You're pissed off. Like it's not like it's not like somebody in sound mind. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. I have a hard time with this because I have kids and my kids can be shitheads. <laughs> yeah. And like if my fucking kids broke into somebody's house, yeah. do I expect them to be shot? God, I hope not. Mm-hmm. But in the same breath, if somebody repeatedly broke into my house mm-hmm. and like left me with that debilitating fear. Yeah. And then they stole his handguns. Mm-hmm. So he didn't know if he was at risk for yeah. being shot. Mm-hmm. But one of the things when they were in court was like, they said, could you see Haley's hands once you shot her in the face? And he was like, I could see her hands then, yes. But like when she was descending, I couldn't. And they were like, no. Did you see her hands when she fell? Mm-hmm. Did she have anything in her hands? And he said, no. So. Yeah. It's a tough one. But I think he wanted to kill somebody more than he was afraid of another break-in. Really? Yeah. Because if you're. But like he was. In Bangkok, Moscow, Beijing for 20 years, Mm -hmm. the man never once had to draw a weapon on someone. Well, I mean, he wasn't a soldier, was he? He wasn't a soldier, but he was in charge of keeping the embassies Mm -hmm. clean. Yeah. So, I mean, he had, he was trained and accessible to Mm -hmm. him and he never had to do anything like that to anyone. And it was like, you know, if you want to kill somebody... A lot of people want to kill somebody. Unfortunately, that's kind of the business we're in right now. Oh, my God. (laughs) But if you have to wait in your home for someone to come that Mm -hmm. you're going to kill, like to most of us, I would say 99.9% of us, that opportunity is never going to arise. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. It's a tough one. It's, It's weird. I mean, those, the, the second shots are what sealed his That's fate right. for me. That's exactly right. And, you know. But, again, in his defense, which I hate doing because, honestly, I was on the teenager mm-hmm. side before. But he has always said that he's not in the business of watching people suffer. Mm-hmm. So, like, he shot them those first times out of self-defense. And then, in his mind, well, as far as he's saying, anyways, yeah. he did the mercy shot. I mean, I don't know, because a, a shotgun <laughs> shot to the stomach has probably got to be one of the most awfully painful things. And that was his go-to first shot. Mm. So, <laughs> I don't know. I just think this guy just wanted to inflict pain. And, 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 and listen, so how would it work if there was no second victim and no second shot on the first victim? Guy, you know, laying in wait for a burglar. But he didn't know that she was coming down the second time. 
No, but I'm saying just with the first, say there's no second interior, just the first guy, one shot, and then called the cops. Is he still charged with anything? I would think so. I think it's the headshots that really, like, you're debilitating somebody by those torso shots. Yeah. So the fact that you went ahead and shot, you know, him Mm -hmm. and her both in the head Mm -hmm. is, uh, yeah, that's, it's overkill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm not devastated that he's in jail. (laughs) No shit, no. But... On the same sense, like he was a recluse. He just fucking wanted to garden. Mm-hmm. He wanted to just mind his own business. Like, what kind of a person would he have been if no one ever broke into his home? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or what happens if he reached out to the police with all these break ins? I don't know, Matt. I hate it. I just, you know, I think they, he's an asshole. They put him in a position to be an asshole, though. Sure. Uh, and he put himself in a position to be a cold-blooded murderer with those second shots. You, I know. You, you're afraid for your safety. Somebody comes down, you shoot them, you call the police. Oh my God, I just shot somebody. But listen, They're coming listen, down the listen, stairs. I know how much you love your parents. Yes. So if one day you're, you weren't living at home, mm-hmm. your dad calls you and he's like, Matt, man. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what he calls that's you. That's what he calls yeah. <laughs> he's like, it's like the 10th time these people have broken into our house. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, They've stolen so much from us. Yeah. They've stolen like all my sentimental stuff. All the hot dog buns. Like. All the wieners. <laughs> everything. Wouldn't you be like in your own head, like even if you didn't verbalize it to your parents, wouldn't you be like, somebody needs to fucking kill these people. Like, don't fuck with my parents. Yeah. Sure. Uh-huh. It's not right. Right. But that's how I would feel. 100%. Um, I don't know if I'd get to the point where I'd lay in wait with them. No, maybe not them, but like if if Doug did it, would you be like, you're in the wrong here? I mean, the one shot, probably not. Well, yeah, probably. I just think shooting anybody for any reason is is just, uh, as a Canadian where we don't have guns at the ready, (laughs) it's so foreign to me that I would just, I can't even really comprehend that thought. But if your dad went to court Mm -hmm. and the exact same scenario was playing out. The two people, the the nine shots. Yeah. yeah. Would you be sitting behind him at court? I mean, I probably have to because my mom would make me, but (laughs) I think in my head, I'd want to maybe sit a few rows back. I don't know. Dad, damn it. Yeah, because you think you know somebody. (laughs) I don't know. uh, To me, if my dad was suffering that much and somebody had done that so many times, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'd be like, you're within your, but you know what? It's different people, which I is I think weird. you are totally within your rights to defend your home and yourself. And I don't really know, I guess, yeah, I guess he thought his life was in immediate danger. Somebody coming down you the could, stairs. If yeah. you hear his breathing, I'll play his breathing yeah. for you later. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, All right, let's that's get our, the hell that's out our of here. TED Talk. Mm, bye. Bye. <laughs>